and donate online safely and securely at kpfa.org. Time now for an extended edition of Cover to Cover. So there's no intro music. Okay, I'm Richard Walensky, and this is uh, Open Book on Cover to Cover. And uh, once a month I do theater programming, and today a special program about Mona Golabek, whose show The Pianist of Williston Lane is at Berkeley Rep right now, and Berkeley Rep has been terrific, and we're giving away... we're. As premium gifts, if you subscribe at the $75 rate, pairs of tickets to the pianist of Williston Lane. We have various dates and times. Uh, let's see, December 20th, the 27th, uh, New Year's Day during the day and in the evening and January 2nd, but limited number of tickets, $75. You can call in 848 um, 5732 in the 510 area code and 1-800-439-5732. You could call in at kpfa.org. If you want one of those dates, sometimes there's only one pair of tickets. You have to call in pretty quickly. And this interview is with Mona Golabek. Her, her book is titled Children of Williston Lane. She also has a CD. We have autographed copies of those to give away. Uh, during the program as premiums, as gifts to you when you subscribe to KPFA during this short and hopefully successful fun drive, 848-5732, online at kpfa.org. Uh, Mona Golabek has been taking this, this, um, the show around. What it is, is it's the story of her mother, Lisa Yura, who uh, was on the Kinder Transport and was also a concert pianist. And what Mona does is she combines the story of her mother's life during World War II with the music that so affected her. And it's an extraordinary performance. Uh, there are a lot of days that are sold out, so this is actually a pretty good shot to get a good ticket at a good price, but of course you're not really getting it at a good price because you're donating to KPFA, and Berkeley Rep has been spectacular in helping us, so we uh, support Berkeley Rep in that. So let's go to Mona Golabek in the interview about the pianist of Williston Lane. Mona Golabek, this is the story of your mother, Lisa Yura, and her life during World War II first going from Austria to England via the Kinder Transport and later becoming a concert pianist, and you're a concert pianist. As you were growing up, you were taking piano lessons, and I understand that your mother would interrupt the piano lessons to give these little tidbits about her life. Absolutely. The piano lessons were not only lessons about music and how to play the piano, but they really were lessons about life, her life. And in between the Chopin Nocturnes and the Beethoven Sonatas, she would fit in these little threads of the years of her growing up, coming of age, during the Blitz, during World War II, when she was a teenager, a Jewish refugee living at a hostel on a street called Wilsden Lane, in the northern part of London, where she lived with 30 other refugees. Before you were taking the lessons, what exactly did you know about your mom's life? Well, I began taking lessons with my mother when I was five years old, so I didn't know too much before that. <laughs> so really all the, all the stories came in the piano lessons and uh, all through my growing up years. And 
particularly these these pieces of music like the Cradloon of Debussy or the Greek piano concerto, they became the folklore. They became the stories behind the stories. I learned that she thought of the Claire de Lune when she saw the moonlight coming through the windmills when she escaped on the kinder transport crossing into Holland. I learned that the Greek piano concerto was whistled by the boys and the girls in the streets of London when they would see each other. It became their theme, the theme of the refugees. As you were playing, you knew she was a concert pianist. My mother's career was cut short at the end of the war and being a refugee and being poor and all the terrible losses that so many people suffered. I think really in a way my beloved sister and I came along to fulfill the dream that was cut short. And so we went on to become the concert pianists. Was there any pressure to do that or did it just kind of happen organically for both you and your sister? It really happened organically. I mean, certainly as a prodigy growing up, you do feel pressure that's always there. But we wanted to make something of our lives and be worthy of the losses. And we loved our parents so deeply. So we felt that mission. How long did it take before all the stories began to coalesce into what you realized was a fascinating biography of your own mother? I mean, even before you thought about writing it. I knew from the very beginning that this was an amazing story. When I began the journey nearly 25 years ago, or 20 years ago. And I always thought that if I could get this book published, if I could get this story told, I would have the opportunity to inspire people through a very powerful message of holding on to something in the darkest of times. Mona Golubek, let's talk a little about that. So you're, you're, you were a concert pianist. You began playing professionally, what, 14, was it? Well, I was a child prodigy myself growing up, but I, I really think that my concertizing days really began in my 20s when I came under management and started to extensively go across America uh, with Columbia Artist Tours and a soloist with different orchestras. And then I think somewhere along the, the way, I realized how exhausting it was and how difficult that career was, and I saw that I had other passions and talents, storytelling. Uh, I was very interested in multimedia. Uh, how could I take whatever gifts I had and whatever understandings of the arts that I had and coalesce it in another way? So I built this radio syndication and I built uh, uh, a way of telling stories when I went out on stage. And then ultimately I began my mother's story and I knew that that's what I wanted to do. What role did your late sister Renee have in this? She was my best friend my great champion. She believed in my dream and she was a great editor and a great champion of how to present it theatrically such that when the book finally got sold and I started to do book tours, she really guided me on how to walk out on stage and tell the story at the piano. When you began doing the book tours, were you performing with the book from the beginning? Yes, I think that everyone saw it as a very unique way of bringing a book into the public. So they made sure to have a little piano wherever I went, even in bookstores. It was quite quite amusing. And then the book came out, and you decided at that point that you would create the CD, The Children of Williston Lane, correct? Well, my path crossed with a gentleman by the name of Lowell Milken, the chairman of the Milken Family Educational Foundation. And I knew that I had met a very important person who could potentially change the course of my life and this project. He fell in love with the book 
and he stepped up to the plate to fund educational resources to teach the book. And in the process, we made the CD recording, and he funded that. So the CD came out, and you were doing the program, uh, your radio show, on several classical music stations around the country, and occasionally performing as well. At what point and under what circumstances did you think about going to Hershey Felder and kind of auditioning for him to see if you could actually turn it into a play? It really was kind of serendipitous, as they say. I was brought to see his show at the Geffen Playhouse, a Beethoven show. I was so stunned by it. It was so amazing. I couldn't believe that this one individual could sit at the piano and act all these different characters and tell the story from the piano. So I called him up and I asked if I could talk with him. He's a most generous soul to colleagues and he invited me to come to the Geffen Playhouse. So I did a little mini version for him and he loved it and was very moved by it. He has a very deep sensibility to the Holocaust and he's also the son of refugees. So he said, I'd like to have a chance at trying to produce you. And what happened next? I mean, I know that you got an acting coach and you said in an interview that the experience was both exhilarating and exasperating. <laughs> well, I followed him everywhere. I went to Tucson and Chicago and Paris. That was the best part. And we would work in between his performances on the script and adapting it to the stage. It's an exhausting process. Plus, I was not trained ever as an actress. So I was coming into an art form that I was needing to understand. I was bringing my skills as a storyteller and hopefully my artistry as a musician, which of course can spill over. But there was an extraordinary world for me to learn about. And I enrolled in acting class. It was pretty hilarious. I was probably one of the oldest people in the class. And um, it was just magnificent. I worked with a a coach by the name of Howard Fine, who himself is the son of refugees, considered one of the most premier acting coaches in Los Angeles. I learned extraordinary things. Being there and working with him began to understand the whole process much better. But it's very challenging to learn all this. What was the hardest part of the process, you think? Learning how to live on stage, spontaneous life, learning how to make a story live each time you walk out, learning how to give a piece of your heart. That part maybe wasn't so difficult because I do think I walk a little bit with my heart outside my, my, my chest. And certainly in terms of this story, I have, I'm very much on fire to tell it. But it was really learning how you create an alive art form. And it was also learning how to speak and play the piano at the same time. These were very difficult challenges. Playing the piano, doing two things at once, that yes. must be really, really hard, particularly when you're not in a position to screw up your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's one particular section where I pretend to be on a sewing machine, and then I'm playing a Bach partita, and I'm talking about how fabulous it is to be a young person in London, and the same age as uh, Princess Elizabeth. That was so difficult. It took me months to learn how to do that. Mona Golubek, what made you decide that the Greg concerto would be the centerpiece, the tie that binds the entire show together? Well, it was my mother's dream to make her debut, so it was natural for us to use that concerto. So you go on stage, and you're performing, 
but other stuff is going on as well. Was that Hershey Felder putting up the images, or was that the two of you working together? <clears throat> no, Hershey Felder is um, really quite brilliant in many of his uh, stagings, and he's really quite a Renaissance man. He's not only a an actor, pianist, writer, but he conceives all of his projects, and he has a great, great understanding of the theater, lighting, and whatnot. This was his concept of the screens, the um, empty frames, by which to project through a world lost. And it was inspired by the part of the play that it, where Lisa and her boyfriend go to the National Gallery of Art, and there's only one painting, a Rembrandt because all the other paintings have been stored away for safekeeping. So that inspired him to create these empty, beautiful frames from a museum. And how was it for you learning to perform different people, you know, and, and actually conversations briefly? That was probably one of the most challenging parts of the whole production, to learn how to change your voices, to learn how to change your posture, to learn how to um, find the internal life of these people, but now I just eat it up, and I <laughs> love it. <laughs> and the accents? That's been very challenging for me. The British accent has particularly been tough for me. The German accent seems to come more easily. It's funny, but I keep working at it. Mona Golubek, in terms of the play itself, what did you want to put in that there just wasn't time for? Was there anything? I honestly believe we got the salient points. I honestly believe we hit the major reasons why I am on fire to tell this story. The goodbye scene, my mother's incredible tenacity to keep going forward. We hit those marks. How she would play the Greek piano concerto when the bombs came down. I'm particularly proud of a scene that I wrote, which references D-Day and the soldiers that gave their lives so that all of us could walk in freedom. That uh, set against the Rachmaninoff prelude, I'm very proud of. There's a sequence where she sneaks away from the hostel. Uh, well, she sneaks away from the sewing factory, winds up in the hostel. How did you find out about that? Because that's not quite part of the music, or was it? Oh, well, she would tell me these stories. And then I also interviewed a number of the refugees. I found them. After I decided to write the book... After I was engaged to play the Greek piano concerto with the Seattle Symphony, I decided to uh, tell her story. So I sought these people out. All these threads came from the various interviews. There's a boy that she really likes, and he goes into the RAF. But you don't tell what happened to him. What did happen to him? He's actually a character in the book based on two young men that were in love with my mother. We changed his name to protect his identity. He's no longer alive. Marvelous person that I found and interviewed at length. I think he became very embittered from the war and the losses. And he was a sort of very Germanic. I never really found out the true story as to what happened between my mother and him. I heard that he broke her heart. I heard she broke his heart. I heard from him that he couldn't take how much she was a flirt. I heard from her that she couldn't take how uh, authoritative he was and very Germanic. Who knows the truth? I don't know. And I'm Richard Walensky back here for a few moments during our KPFA 
fun drive in December. I'm joined by Jim Anderson of the KPFA development team, and this is our fun drive, and we're asking people to contribute. Uh, I do a theater interview about once a month on Open Book on Fridays for, uh, at 3 o'clock. This is a special one-hour edition featuring Mona Golubek, who's uh, play with music. Pia- the pianist of Williston Lane is at Berkeley Web Rep in Berkeley through January 5th. It got rave reviews. It's selling out like hotcakes. And Berkeley Rep has offered us tickets to give away with subscriptions. And we're giving those subscriptions for a pair of tickets for $100, which is often below their cost. It, which it means, is. Yeah, which means if you get your tickets through us and subscribe to KPFA now, you're getting a better deal than if you went directly to Berkeley Rep. We have different days available, very limited number of pairs of tickets, 848-5732. That's 848-KPFA in the 510 area code, 1-800-HEY-KPFA, 1-800-439-5732 in the rest of the world or online at kpfa.com. O-R-G. Again, we're offering uh, tickets to Berkeley Rep. Children, uh, the pianist of Williston Lane, Mona Golubek's spectacular show, now playing at the Thrust Stage at Berkeley. I think, yeah, the Thrust Stage at Berkeley Rep. Uh, again, the number 510-848-5732. We're giving away as subscriptions gifts to you these uh, tickets to um, Pianist of Williston Lane while it's here in Berkeley through January 5th. There's different days. You have to call in and ask. We also have copies for people who've seen the show and really loved it, which most people have, which everyone has. Oh, yeah. Uh, for $60 subscription, you get an autographed copy of the book Children of Williston Lane, which is what this is based on. For $50, you can get the CD, which contains her narration of Children of Williston Lane, including, including a lot of the music that she plays. So if you saw the show and you want to hear it again, this is the way to do it. 848-5732-1-800-439-5732. Online at kpfa.org. There are two people online now. Thank you already, or thank you to those of you who have already chosen to call 800-439-5732, 800-439-5732. We do have a goal of $1,500 for this hour, and it looks like we're in very good shape to reach that goal, considering the fact that we have some exceptional ways to thank you today. As uh, Richard was saying, the opportunity to go see the pianist of Wilsden Lane um, for $100 for a pair of tickets, this is not something that uh, you want to miss your chance to to see. Uh, this is two tickets on the day of your choice, subject to availability. We only have six pairs available, and these nights are uh, Friday the 20th, Friday the 27th, and then in January we have Wednesday the 1st, um, both matinee and evening performance, as well as Thursday the 2nd. Only six pairs of these tickets available. And you may have already understood in listening to the first few minutes of this interview just how how much that this could move you emotionally on a personal level um i haven't seen it yet i've heard a little bit of your interview richard but you know what compels me to know that this is something that is going to be an amazing night for you is that one of our volunteers as i was taking phone calls a moment ago brian he says you you're going to be giving away tickets to that and I said, I said, yeah, Richard, Richard said that we have six pairs of tickets. When somebody calls 800-439-5732, we have six pairs of tickets. Somebody could pick up a pair of tickets for $100. And Brian said, 
this is beyond the ordinary fabulous. He says, you, when you're done, after you've seen his performance, you can't breathe afterwards. Brian serves as, a, as an usher over there. He got to see the, this already, thinks that it is amazing and that this is something that you won't want to miss. Again, tickets are limited. There are only six pairs that we have available, only the nights that we have mentioned to you, and they are designated seats. So the first person that calls gets to choose first option. Call us now, 1-800-439-5732. That's 800-439-5732. Take advantage of these very limited uh, pairs of tickets that we have for the pianist of Wilsdon Lane. And I'd, I'd also add that, again, for some of those nights, this is under what Berkeley Rep charges for those it's tickets. True. So it's really, it's really a great deal. I saw the show, and I was blown away by it. And, you know, you walk in, you don't know what you're going to get, and it is very, very moving. She is a spectacular pianist, absolutely spectacular, and the combination of her acting the story of her mother that she's telling is just incredibly compelling. Uh, Chronicle gave the little man was jumping out of his chair, and <laughs> deservedly so, and it will be going on from here, so you can get a chance to see it. Like I said, if you have seen it and loved it, subscribe to KPFA for only $50, for simple subscription for $50. You'll get the CD, and you can listen to it again and again. Uh, you can listen to it in your car, and she does play on it. We have some of it which we'll be playing sure. after the interview. I think we should probably... Well, well, well Richard, one of the things that I, w- what, that I wanted to, to elaborate on is, as you just said, maybe you won't be able to make it to, uh, to the show, or maybe you don't know if you can find a friend to go with you, but... Um, but you still want to support this program. You still want to support these interviews, and you want to support KPFA. And what you can do is you can take advantage of either the offer of the book, Children of Wilsdon Lane, or the CD. The book is available at just $60, the CD available at just 50 Whatever way you choose to support, we hope that you can join us for one of these performances. We mentioned nights, but a few of them are nights. A few of them are matinees. You get to choose if you're calling soon enough to be the first person to make that choice. Call 800 439 800-439-5732, for the book, $50 for the CDs, or $100 for one of those six pairs of tickets we have. And now we'll get back to Mona Golubek and my interview about Pianist of Williston Lane. Mona Golubek, the kinder transport where your mother got out of Austria and got back to Britain, it's pretty much forgotten. Why do you think that was? This begs the question about the extent of what is taught in the 21st century. Holocaust education itself is not even mandatory except in about seven states in America and great parts of the world nobody really even knows about it. I think it's the testament to the Jewish people that ever since the Holocaust their fire has been extraordinary to tell the story and all the uh, all of the educational resources and the museums that have been erected to never forget the cry, never forget. As far as the kinder transport goes, well, it was just one small segment. What was it exactly? It was a rescue operation in collaboration with British Jews and British Christians that pressured their government after a clarion call went out over the BBC radio following Kristallnacht, one of the worst nights to sweep across Europe for the Jewish people. And these extraordinary British Christians opened their hearts and souls to these Jewish children whose lives would have been lost. Without, They pressured the government and they passed a, a law that didn't 
make it necessary for paperwork to be in place for these they could come immediately so it was a six-month rescue operation that the nazis for some reason allowed 10,000 jewish children to come out on these trains and to get a ticket was the most pressuring possible thing and desperate attempt on the part of parents it's like almost like charlie and the chocolate factory if you get your gold ticket and your mother got it but her two sisters did not right exactly and it was a desperate situation of a family to decide who were they going to give the ticket to i'm sure many families faced that many families did not want to part with their children we heard stories of mothers and fathers in the last moment yanking their children from the train well, the question is, you don't know the future. And so when you're in 1938 Vienna and you're sending your child away, there's no way of knowing what is going to happen. Maybe it'll smooth over. Maybe you'll be fine. Maybe the family can go somewhere else. Maybe they could stay. Well, any parent that has to choose to send a child away, it's just a complete heartbreak. And you're absolutely right. Maybe they were wondering, would the, would the war come to England? Would Hitler invade there? I mean, would anti-Semitism erupt there? Would there be ordinances? So I can't even imagine what these families must have felt. And, of course, for your mother, who was a young teenager at the time, she's suddenly going on a train, and she's always been just, you know, coddled prodigy and suddenly she's being told you're 14 years old you have to work i think it was the most extraordinary psychic wound that happened to my mother getting on that train that train speeding away from everything that she loved from the vienna that she adored and the family that she was passionate about and then yes to find her way and she certainly let me know all those years she was working in a factory and sewing and anytime I would complain as a young kid she'd say well would you like to be in a factory working on a sewing machine so their upbringing was extraordinary these these refugees everyone having to get a job uh, it's so moving to me to imagine when she was at the hostel uh, she found this old piano and began playing you dramatize it as she's playing and suddenly people come out of the woodwork and go what the heck is going on is, is that what really happened well that's what i heard from the different people when whether it happened actually in one go that way i'm not sure i know she did enter i know she went to the piano over a series of times and refugees would come out and they were stunned by the music in a theatrical production, of course, you gather it all together and you make that beautiful moment because, remember, ultimately, what is theater? It's to entertain and hopefully to to challenge people in a very artistic way. And to create empathy. Yes, right. Mona Golubek, where do you think we are today in terms of what was going on then? I mean, there are still Nazi laws on the books about art, degenerate art <laughs> it's just it's just unfathomable to think what has taken place in the last set of weeks and the discovery of all that art that was uh, squared away by that rather ill individual there it's a marvelous question that you're asking i don't have the answer i have great hope in the young people and especially because of the internet and Twitter and all the social media instruments that we have now that allow young people to really communicate with each other and stand up against man's inhumanity to man. And I believe that those instruments, as intruding as they are, and sometimes as annoying as they are, 
will better mankind and that we will we will fight injustice as a result. I mean, even a marvelous young girl that stood up against uh, for education in Afghanistan who was shot. What a, what a hero, heroine this young girl is. These are the heroes that we are going to see emerge more and more, and they're going to speak out. And I really believe that we will see a better world. And ultimately, even all the factions and all the terrible things that are going on, terrorism and, and increasing anti-Semitism and bigotry and bullying, all of these things are being brought to the forefront and addressed. And good, ultimately, I think, will... Uh, will triumph. Can you talk a little about your foundation, Hold On to Your Music? I'm very proud of it. We formed it in order to be able to help bring my mother's story to young people across America. The book has now been read in 21 states. Close to 200,000 units have been released through our nonprofit to help educators buy it at cost at a, at a minimal cost, or we gift it. We do large citywide reads across America for thousands of students where I come and perform. And the purpose really is to uh, bring this message of inspiration. No matter what happens in the darkest of times, if you've got something to hold on to, you're going to make it through. And to keep educating young people about the issues of the Holocaust and intolerance and bigotry. And I think we've found an unusual way through this theatrical production to do that because it's a personal story of young people. One of our most favorite citywide reads was a year ago in Montgomery, Alabama, where many thousands of mostly African-American students of the 21st century cheered the story of a Jewish teenager in World War II. So we know we have a very universal story that begs to be told. Mona Golubek, I'd like to get back a little to the music. Is there any point where you're feeling like, I need to put my mother specifically into my playing? Does that ever come up? I don't think about trying to sound like her, and I don't think I'll ever be able to do a legato or a phrase like her. I'll never know the pains she had. But she comes to me all the time. I try to inhabit her charm and her grace and her Viennese flirtations on the stage. I hope I'm achieving somewhat of that. That's what I try to do. And your dad, what was his story? He was the most heroic, beautiful soul, French resistance officer, highly decorated Jewish resistance officer in the French resistance, receiving the Croix de Guerre from General Charles de Gaulle. Born in Poland, beautiful family in the Bialystok region. Sent out to study in Montpellier, France. Lied about his age when the war broke out and joined the resistance, fighting. Uh, imprisoned twice in German prison camps, escaped. Was the captain of an elite motorcycle brigade uh, for several years during the war. Would regale us with the stories. And one of my great regrets is that I never taped my father. He died in the 1970s. And your mother passed away in 1997. How far along had children gotten at that point? The book was published f five years later, so she never saw the book or the performance. Did you talk to her beforehand about what you were doing then about it? Yes, I did. And she was, uh, I think, had confused feelings. I think any time anybody's being interviewed for something, it poses lots of complex questions internally. Maybe she, I think she was touched, but I also think she probably maybe 
felt a bit awkward seeing her life brought to the forefront that way. Wherever she is, though, now, I hope that she's moved by what I've tried to do through her story. In 1999, you and your sister created a concert and invited all the surviving kinder transport kids, who are now, of course, older people. What was that like? Well, actually, we were invited to come to London. It was the 60th reunion of the kinder transport, and we performed there, and it was one of the most beautiful things that I will always cherish, that we had the opportunity to go back and tell through our music how much we loved all of them, and more importantly, to thank the British people for saving the lives of these Jewish children. I'm alive today because of their generosity. And America pretty much did nothing. Well, I have to say, this has been one of the most unique interviews I have ever had, and I am very moved by the, the research and the questions you've posed to me and by the statement you made just now, because that is the question all of us ask. How devastating to think that America and the powers that be knew of the camps, did nothing. How they could have bombed the train tracks. It is a question that is breaks the heart. Did you ever ask anybody? I mean, in your research, did, did that ever come across? Did you ever try to figure it out? Because still today, when you hear about the ship that was turned away, yes, I know that there was anti-Semitism in this country, but still, it, it's just mind-boggling. Totally. It's unfathomable. I think we talk about it, all of us, but there are nobody seems to have answers. Nobody seems to provide the answers. But isn't that the way always of government? <laughs> that we never get the answers. So many things, the tragedies continue. How many young people have lost their lives now, currently today, around the world, in service of America, in various places, and their parents are begging the questions to know why. And they're not being given answers. Top secret, CIA, whatever it is. We don't provide the answers. And we are the people. We're the ones out there. So it's a very, very perplexing question to to think about. Mona Golubek, what is concert for Mona? <laughs> Actually, it was called Concerto for Mona. It was a film that I did many years ago with Zubin Mehta. And it um, was on PBS, and it presented the world premiere of a concerto that was written for me by William Kraft, um, a very modern piece of music that I performed and uh, had an exhilarating experience. And it was my first um, time on PBS. And now we are starting to film with Oscar-nominated uh, director Josh Aronson, a documentary that will follow me. We, we began here in Berkeley at the Berkeley Repertory Theater, and it's going to follow me around the country in these various citywide reads that I do, where we will uh, really examine these critical issues facing young people today as they experience my show. What do they know about the Holocaust? What do they think about it? What are the issues facing racism and intolerance and anti-Semitism? And we hope that it'll be an interesting film. And I'm Richard Walensky back in the studios. Thank you so much to all the people who called in um, for the tickets to Berkeley Reps, uh, pianist of Williston Lane. Uh, pianist? No, it's pianist of Williston Lane. <laughs> you say uh, tomato, I say tomato. Yeah. Call right now. Call 800-439-475. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, the, the tickets are gone. However, 
and this is a really cool thing. Uh, the pianist of Williston Lane came out of the CD, originally a book, which we have copies of uh, to give away as a premium to subscribers. But then she created a CD which contains a lot of the dialogue and material from pianist of Williston Lane plus her music. And we have 10 autographed copies of that to That's give away great. thanks to Mona. I mean, Mona Thank is you, Mona. really a supporter of the station and of Pacifica. Uh, she's a supporter. She said, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Berkeley rep, Voline Amilcar, went out of her way to assist us on this. And I, I want to thank Voline very much for her help and also uh the artistic director of Berkeley Rep Tony Tacconi who's been great with KPFA and our the former uh pub publicity person at uh Berkeley Rep Terence Keene who's now with Cinnabar um, these people are amazing they work with us they believe in Berkeley as a community and we believe in Berkeley Rep as a theatrical institution you can support us at KPFA and you know show your appreciation by going to your phone 8485732180439 for only $50 $50 subscription you can get this great CD, which contains all of the material, if you couldn't get to the show, couldn't afford to get to the show, then this is a, a kind of substitute. You can hear the show. You can hear what we're talking about here. And that's only $50 subscription to KPFA for the CD, Children of Williston Lane, which Mona has kindly autographed for us. We have 10 copies of that. We also have copies of the book, Children of Williston Lane, which you could read to your kids. 848 one and online at kpfa.org. I'm Richard Walensky. I do um, book waves on cover to cover, and I do open book once a month on theater, and I also do some theater pieces for Upfront in the morning. I'm joined by Jim Anderson from the KPFA development team. Thank you so much, Richard. And we want to thank all of all of you. I, I guess maybe thank you and congratulate you, those who were quick to make the call to take advantage of the tickets that we were offering. Thank you, Nina, and thank Thank you, uh, uh, Cheyenne from uh, Berkeley. Thank you, Miranda from Berkeley. Not from Berkeley, but thank you, Miranda. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Heather. And thank you, Nancy. All of you are going to be enjoying that wonderful performance. Um, that is the uh, pianist or pianist of Wilsden Lane. And um, we want to make sure that, uh, that it's clearly conveyed. We know that you didn't call 800-439-5732. You didn't make that call just because you wanted to buy tickets. If you wanted to just buy tickets, you could have called the theater. And we encourage you to do that if, if you'd still like to go see the show. But what you were really doing is you were supporting KPFA. You called 800-439-5732 to support KPFA and support this programming. This, this wonderful programming, an opportunity to really get to know artists to really get to know authors we had a goal when we started out this hour of fifteen hundred dollars we know with um, with these contributions that we have less than a thousand dollars to go probably about nine hundred dollars to go for the hour and we can still put you in the experience we can still give you the opportunity to be a part of this show give you the opportunity to hear the words to feel the emotion to hear the music we'll give that to you when you call 1-800-439-5732 for a mere fifty dollars we can send you the cd with the narration as well as the music of the children of wilsden lane again that too is a limited offer 
So if you had called a little late to get the tickets and you're thinking maybe you want the CD, might be a good idea to go ahead and give us a call because we only have 10 copies of that CD. Just $50 when you call 1-800-439-5732. Or go online at kpfa.org. If you want to see the show, well, berkeleyrep.org is the uh, place online you can find Berkeley Rep, and the show is running through January 5th. Be aware that it was quite a struggle for us to get these tickets because some of them were sold out. Some sure. performances were sold out. The great thing, and I've listened to Children of Williston Lane, is that it does give you the experience. You'll hear Mona playing the piano. You'll hear her narration. And once you understand that this came, that this theatrical presentation came out of this, you can enjoy this. If you've seen the show, you can enjoy it over and over again by listening to it. And you know, it's hey, it's great. Eight four eight five seven three two one eight hundred. Well, and we we want to remind you as well, we've talked a a lot about the CD that's available, but if you'd like to enjoy the book itself, the book is available. We also have 10 copies of that. Both the CDs and the books are autographed by Mona. Thank you so much, Mona, for your generosity. Uh, For a contribution of $50, we can send you the CD with narration and audio narration and the music, and we could also, for $60, send you the book. Um, But, Richard, because uh, because the tickets went so quickly, do you think we might also be able to offer from the the USB of your interviews that we were talking about? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Um, Yesterday I created a, it doesn't have any of the theater ones, but it it creates, I created a a flash drive of all of my um, BookWaves interviews for last year. Mm -hmm. That's like 50, 45 to 50 interviews, including the full Salman Rushdie interview that we played yesterday. And um, we're offering that for $150 subscription, and that's, God knows how many hours. Uh, actually, you know, if you get that and ask for the uh, children, I don't know what they're going to do in the studio, but go for it. Well, Eight for it. What? Well, oh no, I was just going to. I was just going to toss in. Right, more or approximately fifty of the interviews, full length interviews from Bookwaves. So if you if you wanted to hear all of the Rusty interview, if you wanted to hear some of the other interviews, um, the the author of Gorky Park, is, is one of those. That interview is in there, isn't it? Well, it will be maybe because I'm in the process of editing it right now. And boy, well, it's going to air next week. But, you know, Martin Cruz Smith does a lot of us, uh, okay. and I keep editing it okay. down, so I've spent two days on that but thing. But still 50. 50. <laughs> it'll be there. It'll be there. It'll be there. I'll give it to, uh, I'll give it to uh, Phil. We'll 848-5732-1-800-439-5732. Again, um, want to thank Berkeley Rep for their assistance. Voline Amilcar has been terrific on this, and again, Mona Golabek has been great when she said, whatever you want, whatever you want. So, by supporting KPFA, you support us. You support Berkeley Rep. Eight four eight five seven three two. Jim, all of the lines are open right now. We have volunteers that are here to help you. It's so easy to do. It only takes about a minute or two minutes. For fifty dollars, we'd love to send you the autographed CD with narration and music. For sixty dollars, we'd love to send you the book. For one hundred and fifty dollars, all every one of the interviews from the past year of Bookwaves. Call us now at one eight hundred four three nine five seven three two. There's about three minutes of interview left, and then what we're going to do is play a section of um, Children of Williston Lane so people can hear exactly what we're talking about. It's the Claire DeLune section. Wonderful. Mona Golubek, you also uh, continue the show, The Romantic Hours, on various stations. Let me ask you, what's happening with classical music? It seems to be vanishing. Is it just because it's old white men? 
Well, that seems to be the, uh, the, the thoughts out there, that when you look at the audiences, it's very much graying. But once again, I believe there are the champions out there, and they're amazing, amazing individuals who are, you know, we have Michael Tilson Thomas here in San Francisco. We've got uh, Dudamel in Los Angeles. Marvelous conductors and programs out there to bring young people. I myself am partnered with the Music Center in Los Angeles to bring my show to 10,000 students next year in a large citywide read. I just think we all have to continue the good fight and make sure that we have arts education in the school systems. That's the big stone that we have here. That's the problem. And that comes, of course, back to funding and yes. what the United States could be doing but isn't. Right. right. We should fund less less wars and more arts education. Absolutely. Uh, you show the romantic hours. Can people find that online? It's online in the various radio stations that stream it. But we are rebuilding our website and hope to go online as a service, like so many other, of course, uh, projects out there. I've been so overwhelmed with the pianist of Wilsdon Lane that I haven't been able to put as much attention to that. But I hope to do so in 2014. And for people who don't know, what is Williston Lane? It's a street in the northern part of London in an area called Wilsdon Green. It's right near Riffle Road. It was at one time a pocket of quite a Jewish population in London. But of course, like so many areas now, has has changed. Did you go back to London and visit Williston Lane, and did you go back to Austria and Vienna and see where your mother grew up? I went back, yes, and I met Hans the Blind Boy from the uh, hostel, and he took me down Williston Lane, and I've been back to Vienna a number of times. It's one of my favorite cities of the world. I went to where my mother grew up. I walked and saw the apartment. I walked the entire area. What's anti-Semitism like there now? Oh, I'm sure it's very seething and underneath. And there are great concerns that anti-Semitism is rising again in Europe. We're hearing of horrible, isolated pockets of brawls and uh, terrible things. Again, it will only be through education and constant sharing and speaking from the heart that these things are intolerable, intolerable and not to be permitted. Mona Golubek, this is playing through January 4th at Berkeley Rep. Are you taking it elsewhere? I understand through Mr. Felder that we're receiving offers from all over the country, so I'm very excited about that. My ultimate hope is that one day maybe I'll bring it to New York and then maybe to the London Theatre. You've been listening to an interview with Mona Golubek, whose piece, The Pianist of Williston Lane, is playing through January 4th at Berkeley Rep., uh, Children of Williston Lane is both a book and a CD, and I believe there's a video series as well. Is that correct? We have teaching materials on our website, holdontoyourmusic.org, where teachers can access and watch how the book is taught. I'm Richard Walensky on Open Book. And I'm Richard Walensky back in the studio. And now we have a special treat for you. We have a segment from pianist from Children of Williston Lane from the CD <clears throat> that you can get by subscribing to KPFA for $50 at uh, 510-848-5732, 1-800-439-5732 or online at kpfa.org. This is the segment where uh, Lisa Yura has to leave um, Vienna on the Kinder Transport, I believe. I picked it out because it said Claire de Lune. It said, oh, that's cool. I like that. Anyway, let's hear a little of Mona Golabek and Children of Williston Lane. There were curfews now. 
Jews were not allowed on the streets at night or in movie theaters, concert halls, or most public places. Nazi cruelties had continued. Soldiers kept up their attacks on stores and homes, and beatings in the streets became a common sight. Stormtroopers broke into homes and arrested many of the men. It was whispered that they were being taken away to prison camps. Abraham's tailor shop on the first floor was now closed by government order. A poster covered the cracked glass of the storefront window. Someone had tried to scratch out the letters, but it could still be read. Judenschwein. Twelve-year-old Sonia could not understand why all of this was happening. She still went to school, but the Jewish children had been separated from the Gentiles. She wasn't allowed to talk to any of her friends who weren't Jewish. It was Friday night, Shabbat. Malka had made a special meal for the family, just as she did every Friday night. They waited for Papa to return. Malka had begged her husband not to go out, but he had refused. If you're caught, what will we do, Malka had pleaded. As they waited for Papa, Malka kissed her daughter. Come, Lisla, let's work on the Claire de Lune. Lisa pulled a worn folio of sheet music from the pile and put Debussy's masterpiece on top of the piano. Close your eyes for a moment before you begin. Where do you see yourself? On a desert island across the ocean, Lisa answered without hesitation. Lisa opened her eyes brightly and placed her fingers on the keys. The music shimmered softly like the moonlight bouncing off the waters of a distant ocean. Looking up from the keyboard... She saw her mother close her eyes and smile. Malka's head began to sway as she was transported on the waves of her daughter's silvery tones.
And that's an excerpt from uh, Children of Williston Lane, Claire de Lune, performed by Mona Golabek. Um, you can get the entire CD of Children of Williston Lane, which became, which became Pianist of Williston Lane at Berkeley Rep, by subscribing to KPFA right now and only right now for the next seven minutes, and then we're gone, and these are gone, and you won't have another shot. So this is the time to do it. 848-5732-1800-439-5732. I'm Richard Walensky. I host Book Waves on Thursday, and once a month I host Open Book about theater on Fridays, and sometimes I throw in a little Book Waves. There's a couple of... Um, Bookwaves programs actually open book from the uh, where I interviewed authors, which are on that seat, on that uh, flash drive, which we're offering for $150. But basically, what you're doing here is you're not subscribing for yeah, you're going to get Children of Williston Lane, the CD or the book, whatever. Um, what you're really doing is you're subscribing to KPFA because we're the only people who do this kind of in-depth programming, who will bring you in-depth interviews with authors like I try to do. Um, I was told actually by a publicist that I'd never met before. She said, I didn't, I didn't know who she was. And she said, yeah, I know you. You're, you and uh, Krasny over at KQED, you're the only ones who actually read the books. <laughs> and actually that's not true because Denny Smithson reads the books too. Sure, He's sure. on here. There are other people who do. But just that says alone, you talk to, listen to most of these book programs, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, they read the jacket cover. Yeah, well, maybe <laughs> they did that. I mean, I, I, you don't want to hear some of the horror oh. stories I've heard from authors. But um, I actually read the books, which when you're talking about 600-page doorstops, it's <laughs> uh -oh. quite something. But um, that helps us, keeps me on the air, keeps Pacifica on the air. And the way to do that is to subscribe. We need you as our listeners and as the people who support us. We don't take it. Eight four eight five seven three two one eight hundred four three nine five seven three two. We have about five minutes to go, uh, and probably about uh, eight hundred dollars to make in this particular seven-minute stretch. Yep. Uh, I'm Richard Walensky. I'm joined by Jim Anderson from the KPFA development team. We have people in the uh, KPFA uh, phone room who are waiting for your call. Eight hundred four three nine five seven three two. Area code five one zero eight four eight five seven three. You could also subscribe online at kpfa.org. Mona Golabek has been terrific in giving us autographed CDs of Children of Williston Lane. You heard just a little piece there. Um, yep. And we're going to have a little Mona come up in the background here as we're talking. Uh, we also have available the book. Uh, Children of Williston Lane. We only have ten copies of that. Again, it's autographed for you. Eight four eight five seven three two. That's that's what we do for you, and what you do for us is you keep us alive at Pacifica, at KPFA. You ensure that in-depth programming about political issues, in-depth music program you don't get anywhere else, including Spotify. You don't get it. 848-5732. You don't get it anywhere. And the way to do that is to make sure that Pacifica, that KPFA survives. The more money we get in these short fund drives, the shorter the other fun drives are. So please, this is a great time to support arts programming on KPFA, 848-5732, I'm Richard Walensky. Ah, Walensky, mm -hmm. uh, next week on Bookwaves on Thursday, Martin Cruz Smith talking about his latest book, and I'm editing it now. Uh, upcoming interviews include May Amy Tan 
and the incredible Richard Powers, if you know his stuff. 8485732. Plus, I'll be talking through as the year goes on with Tony Tacconi from Berkeley Rep. I'll be talking again with Carrie Perloff of ACT. I'll be talking with Loretta Greco of um, The Magic and with um, Jason Minidakis of um, Marin Theater Company. And that's my feeling is we need to spread theater and that's important. Again, 8485732. There are three people on the right and on the line right now. Thank you so much for those calls. Call us now at 800-439-5732. As we had mentioned before, there were only 10 copies of the book available. There were only 10 copies of the CD. I know we have fewer than 10 copies of the CD um, because they were tallying some numbers when I was uh, ran over to the call center because we're always so excited to see what's uh, what's going on, who's calling in, who's joining the family. So right now, excellent opportunity if you'd like to receive the cd enjoy music like you're listening to now enjoy the narration from the book the children of wilsden lane by mona uh, golubek that this is the time to do so you'll in, you'll have that narration you'll also have the music from the performance it'll be as close as you can get to being there if you're unable to go she, see the show in person here's your chance fifty dollars a fifty dollar contribution is all that we're asking for uh, us to be able to send that cd over to you um, it is autographed and as are the books you can call 1-800-439-5732 800-439-5732 we're down to the last couple of moments we have a number of lines open and a number of volunteers there to take your call. You can take care of your contribution to KPFA in about a minute or two. It's really all that it takes. They'll ask you your name, how much you'd like to contribute, if you'd like a thank you gift, and how you'd like to take care of that pledge. That's about it. Other than the warm feelings that you're going to get and the friendship that you'll experience when getting to speak to one of our volunteers and knowing, knowing that the next time you turn on the dial and listen to KPFA, you've done your part. You've, li- you've supported the station that you rely on every day. Call us at 800-439-5732. And keep in mind that, once again, you're doing more than just, you know, getting these gifts. What you're doing is you're keeping KPFA alive. You're keeping arts programming alive. You're making sure that these sorts of interviews, theater interviews, you don't get anywhere else. I mean, you really don't get it anywhere else. The only place to get it is here at KPFA. And this is what Pacifica at KPFA and Community Radio is about. 848-5732, 1-800-439-5732. Or you can, oh, it's 359, or you can go go online at kpfa.org. Again, I'm Richard Walensky. I'll be back next Thursday uh, with an interview with Martin Cruz Smith, and after that, a couple weeks after that, Amy Tan. We have Richard Powers coming up, uh, Sue Monk Kid, Sam Harris, and lots of other people. I'm, I think Gary Steingard I'm going to try to get here. So it's going to be 